the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We're talking about parenting and when it hurts to give. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good on this Thursday evening. So glad that you are with us today. If you've missed any of today's show, we'd love to invite you to go back, catch up on the podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. My name is Aubrey Sampson, as always, joined by my co-host, Brian Fromm. And we are so glad that you're with us today. Brian, our, uh, you're you're a dad of daughters. Remind our I listeners, uh, remind our listeners about your kiddos. So I have two daughters and a son. Uh, I got to make sure to get their ages right. My youngest daughter is 14 and a freshman in high school. My son is 16 and a sophomore in high school. And my daughter, my oldest. Aubrey, in two weeks, will be 20. She is 19. She will be about to turn 20. And uh, she is a sophomore in college. So girl, boy, girl. Unacceptable. Okay, so having... I'm a mom of all three boys. My uh, youngest, as we've said, turns 12 today. Happy birthday, Nolan. Uh, And then I've got a 17-year-old son and a 14-year-old son. So... Being a woman and connecting in boy land has been kind of fun. Uh, (laughs) Thankfully, they like a lot of things. I like Marvel, Star Wars, you know. There are things that transcend both. There are things that go to both. That's good. That's good. Is there anything that as a dad, you were like, all right, I'm in it. Like you had to learn about princesses. That's it. When you said it and you said like, what is it going to be? It's when they were little and – uh, especially when we when Madeline came along because she's first and so uh-huh. you're experiencing everything first. Yes. And in the beginning, you know, you're just watching Sesame Street. You're watching stuff that you would watch with both, but then right. it starts to change. And <laughs> for Madeline, it became a couple of things come to mind. Princesses was definitely one of them. <laughs> like the dressing up, the uh, uh wanting to play princess, all of yes, this stuff. Yes. Uh that also kind of morphed a little bit into um, why am I drawing a blank? What were the, the American girl stuff? Oh, the American right. Girl stuff. Oh, right. I totally passed over that, but I was always a little envious because I thought they were so cute. Because it's its whole world, you know, yeah. and they get their American girl stuff. And so, and then, you know, there are just some things that from an early age, like most girls gravitate to that, you know, playing like, you know, let's have a tea party, Dad, or let's do this. Right. And I leaned into it all. I enjoyed it. I didn't realize the difference until then we had a son. Yeah. And who does and, not ever want to have a tea party? And it was a lot easier because he's like, yeah, Dad, let's throw a ball. Yeah, totally. Dad, let's play. There were just some innate stuff. I loved yeah. having little girls. It was yeah. fun. But, yeah. but you do remember early on going, oh, we're going to play dress up and have a dance party. <laughs> it, all right. Let's okay, lean into this and do go, this. <laughs> let's go. It is so funny because I can remember being in an undergrad and taking a sociology class and the whole debate about is it nature or nurture? And then you, I've got three boys that, and I know not everyone fits into these stereotypes, but I've got three boys that are just like, 
into boy stuff. Like they were all into trucks. We all went through, I learned the names of excavators and snow plows and front loaders (laughs) and back loaders. And then they're all into dinosaurs and you got to learn all, you know, and then they're, I mean, it just, and the action characters, like that was just sort of the, that was just sort of the track they took me on. I didn't take them on that track. Yeah. When Jackson was young, somebody gave us this big train table. Oh yeah, and the I train table. That was big. My girls, my girls had no care to play with it. And Jackson <laughs> would sit there for hours, it seemed like, and just move trains around. Yeah. Like not even like he wasn't creating a story, he wasn't creating some world. Right, he right. Was just moving trains, and what inevitably <laughs> happened is the trains banged into each yes, other. Yes, that's it. And the whole thing crashed, and that was the nope. best part of it. Yep. The, the girls, it was like we were creating stories and yeah. we were just and uh, right. it, just so different and it the amazing thing happens is again it's not every kid but like you said they're stereotypes for a reason because it's the vast majority of them yeah happens at a really early age like they're just different almost from out of the womb it's it's very very true okay so i i I brought that up because i want to play you a clip this is the actor Patton oswald and he um is talking about having a six-year-old daughter and how He's really into Star Wars. She's really into My Little Pony, and it is just hilarious. So let's take a listen. And my daughter is going to find her own thing on her own, and I'm going to let her figure out. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. You know what she's into? You know what her big thing is right now? My Little Pony. Oh. My, she is. She, okay, she's into My Little Pony the way that I was into Star Wars back in 1977. She knows the whole world. She knows all the characters, and good, good for her. I, I didn't know there was that much to it. It's My Little Pony, right? Well, I, again, I don't. It's all these. Get why would you know that there was anything to Star Wars unless you're really into it? Right. But I realize that I don't have the time to absorb a new realm. You know, like I, I did my absorbing with Star Wars. I knew everything about Star Wars. I knew the name of Dengar's the bounty hunter's ship, the punishing one. I, you know, I knew all. And so now she's learning all the ins and she's like, sit down with me and let's watch My Little Pony. And she'll explain these stories and I'm kind of half listening, but she's into it, you know, and she, and that's her thing now. She's watching My Little Pony, the, the adventures of these, of, well, the main character is named Twilight Sparkle. <laughs> and uh, Twilight Sparkle is a, is, a, is a unicorn. Well, there's three kinds of ponies in the My Little Pony world. There's unicorns, they can use magic. Then oh. there's the earth ponies, oh. like Pinkie Pie and Applejack. And then uh, there are the Pegasi, uh, the, uh, basically, the Pegasi are uh, Fluttershy and Lightning Dash. Uh, Rainbow Dash, sorry, Rainbow Dash, Lightning Dash. I was going to say. So they all, at the beginning, uh, you know, Twilight Sparkle is up in uh, Canterlot with Princess Celestia. Oh. She's Princess Celestia's librarian, and Princess Celestia's like, you know, you need to understand how the, so she sends her down to Ponyville, and that's where she meets the different ponies, and you know, also the elements of harmony have gone missing because, you know, Princess Celestia had this twin, but again, this is my daughter saying, I don't know what it is. Okay, I think that clip is so funny, but one of the funniest parts to me, and I actually think good parenting is like, you don't, don't, force your kids to fit into your mold right right like i mean it, it you obviously want to connect with your kids and it is very fun when they like the things you like but 
at the end of the day, they are kind of their own people. So they're just going to gravitate towards what they gravitate towards. And I love, I mean, the whole thing started out, of course, with him, like, I don't have time or space for the realm of my little pony. I already have enough Star Wars. But then he like, obviously had knew everything about it. Like that to me was like, oh, he's a good dad. He's connecting with his daughter. It's funny. It's funny. Now, there's one spot where I don't agree with this uh, Mm. about not making your kids do stuff. And that is your sports teams. Uh, I told Jackson early on he could he could choose not to be a Mets fan, but then he could also choose where else to live. So uh, I say that I say that sarcastically. I know. No, this is really good. I, know. That's I also love that he's just you know he's a comedian, so he's funny. Right. He was yeah. cutting it up. He tells way. the story well. Yeah, but I love the idea of l- not just letting your kids kind of choose what they want to be interested in, but then leaning in and being like, "I'm mm-hmm. going to." Yeah, my daughters, both my daughters went through obsessive like Dora the Explorer stages. You know what I did? I watched Dora the Explorer. We played Dora. Yeah. We go to the park yes. and yes. we would play Dora. Like you just lean into what your kids like oh. and uh, <laughs> and cross your fingers. At some point, it intersects with things you like. <laughs> I know it's so true. You cross your fingers and hopefully I, that's one thing. I Again, I said I appreciate that we all got into Marvel. My husband could care less about it. But but I will say my boys are slowly becoming Bears fans. Like somebody asked okay. Eli recently, what sports team do you follow? He was like, oh, man, it's so painful, but I'm a Bears fan. And I was like, oh, I wish Kevin could have heard that. <laughs> anyway, I, I thought that was cute. Dive into your kids' world. That's a great way to connect with yes. them. Coming up next, I want to talk more about kids and kids getting older. Brian, we both just said we've got kids that are – Getting up there. You have an almost 20-year-old. We're going to talk about that reality when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. We just had a conversation about connecting with our young kids, especially when they're in kind of different worlds than we're in or into different things than we're in, too. But now I want to talk about older kids, Brian. Mm-hmm. I Okay. I'm so glad so many of my mom friends are around the same age as me because several of them, a couple of my really, really good friends have kids that are seniors this year. And so they Mm. are hitting all of the first lasts or the last first, or first last. First last, you got right. Right? Like, you know, they just had senior night at one of my friend's schools and it was the last football game and it was the last homecoming and like all of those things. And so they're just very emotional and one of my friends was telling me a story about how she was trying to get her her daughter who's a senior like let's come on it's your last fall at home let's go on a pumpkin patch date and her daughter wanted to go with her friends instead which is all instead which is all good like that's all healthy and good and but as a parent you're like heart is being broken bit by bit and you know i'm a year behind them my oldest is a junior but i am starting to feel that like Time is slipping through our fingers like water. You cannot grab a hold of it. And it's wild. So, okay, so you've gone ahead. I know you've processed some of this stuff too. Uh, it's a it, it's kind of a it's kind of a I've been surprised by it. Like, wow, this is harder than I thought it was gonna be. So here, I'll give you two spots. The se- the senior year one is interesting. Your first time you kind of have that one because it's exciting. You're looking yeah, at colleges, senior right. year, you're going to graduate. But it's also like this impending mm. life's about to change. Yeah, I will give you a little piece of advice. 
the more melancholy you are about it, the more you're like, hey, you're leaving, the more annoyed your kids are going to get. Ah, fair, so, fair. <laughs> okay, good, good. Keep it in. Um, Keep it in. <laughs> so I would suspect if I had said to my daughter, let's go to the pumpkin patch, they would be like, yeah, if I said, it's your last one, let's go. She'd be like, nope. <laughs> nope, I'm out. That might have been what happened with my friend and her daughter. Her daughter's like, but uh-uh. you do need to remember that they have a lot of emotions going yeah, too. Yeah, that's uh, so true. You. choosing a college everyone asking what college are you going to they're saying goodbye to friends or they're closing up a major part of life and yeah most kids even if they won't admit it right there's nerves about leaving home and sadness about leaving home and uh i remember like you'll need to you and i both have three kids i don't know what it'll be like for a boy but the one that i didn't remember was there was a season it got it wasn't long but where carrie and i were like i think madeline is having issues with the fact that like she's leaving and her other two are going to be home and they're going to oh, keep experiencing right. life without her. Right. Like if your three boys are always together or do the same thing and he goes mm-hmm. away, mm-hmm. your focus is going to be on those two that stay back. That's like, Oh, are you shift. okay? Are you okay? There is a little bit of like, what am I missing? Have oh, they moved on from me? Have they done this? So mm-hmm. uh, that's a little one. Uh, and then I've told you a couple times now, I actually was part of a pastor's group that I meet with monthly. We were talking yesterday and they're all a little bit older though. Not even just a little bit older. They're all older than me. So I kids out of the house, gotcha, empty nest, all this stuff. Yeah. And they kind of laughed when I brought this up because they were (laughs) like, man, everyone knows what you're going through right now. I said, as my kids get older, so my daughter's a sophomore in college. I've told mm-hmm. you next semester she's going to study abroad, uh, which is just crazy. Yes. My son got his driver's license, and so he's driving himself and his sister to school, which is yeah. wonderful. Yeah. But there's le- now I've got this more free time, and as mm-hmm. my wife does as well. And I, I was telling these guys, I'm like, as they get older, I just feel more anxious. And I yeah. said, I've never been an anxious person. Yeah. But, you know, now that they're not in my home all the time, now that there's, I find myself, I would have thought it was the opposite. And I was like, mm. what's, basically, I was like, what's wrong with me? And they're like, buddy, that's what everybody goes through. Really? He said, it's 10 times harder when they leave because you're like, someone else said it to me this way when your kids are little and in your house, it's physically yeah. taxing. Yes. Like you're always having, yes. when they get older and they start to leave your house, it's emotionally and mentally taxing. Like what's, where are they? And I feel it, Aubrey. I feel it you completely do. to the point that Aubrey, Carrie and I had a talk the other day and I was like, I said, I think I need a hobby. Like, like I'm not I okay. Just, <laughs> I could just dive into. And mm. I think it's it's a good thing to think about because I remember when we first had kids, that's when Carrie and I went to marital counseling because it was like the, your whole life just kind of like, this little baby bomb had been thrown totally, into your world. Totally, totally. And I'm starting to think that it's equally as necessary when they leave the house that's or when they start getting yeah, older. Like, that's really insightful. I was not prepared for this. Like I was not prepared for, and I still, you know, my two are still in the house. It's yeah. just, they've just got a little more freedom because they are yeah. driving and they're doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, it's weird. This nobody prepares you for the stages of parenting. They I just know, don't it, get you ready for and, it. And I think, you know, this is as as of course the thing people say throughout time, but when you're the one in it, you also don't realize how fast it's gonna come. That's like right. I am like, wait, how are wait, we're here? This is the yeah. time when they are angsty teenagers and start pulling away. It's already happening. But That's right. we were just 
crashing trains on the Thomas the train, <laughs> train we were set. That was two yes. weeks ago. Like, you know, it, 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 yeah, it's, that's good advice though. Like maybe I don't let, I'll keep some of the emotion to my mom friends and we'll vent it, but don't necessarily need to vent it at the kids. I, It'll be interesting to see uh, how your husband processes it all. I know. Like, I'm he... kind of curious. He he seems more laid back about it right now than I do, but I, I'll be curious how it actually comes out. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. and part of it depends on where, if or where your kid goes to school. Absolutely, that's like if true. If your kid's like, "Mom, on Dad, I want to go to COD, and I'm going to live in the basement," uh, you know, yeah. it might not change. We, we very might be much. like, "Get out! We don't want you here." <laughs> yeah. So there's still things oh, to be figured out. Oh man! And the other thing that I, I feel a little funny about, even in this conversation, is like everything hinges on the first one, right? So you're like, yes. I've, I, this is unfair, but I definitely feel like he's going to pave the way and we're going to learn all the lessons and have all the emotions. And then the next two, it'll be like, okay, great. I, <laughs> feel like he, I, mean? I said to Carrie, I was like, I wonder what it's going to be like with the next two, because there is something to be said about just dealing with it for the first time. Like now I have a frame of reference of dropping a kid. Right, off school, Right. Right. And I know that it goes well, but it'll still be uniquely hard because relationships are different or this and that but yeah that's true each each one will kind of have its own and then when it's the baby that's what my friend is going to that i was telling you about like it's her she's already sent a daughter to college this is her baby going to college so i think that's part of it too is like the reality of like (gasps) empty nest going away everything's changing you know like it oh man you just got the the added thing of like i don't know i'm sure you feel this often like how did we get to this age Oh, Brian. Like, I don't – there is part of – that's part of it is like how do – how am I staring down empty nest? Like I just went to college. Right. Or those like, are I like – those are the old just parents. just got married, right? <laughs> like it's like – and then you start to go, wait a minute. We got married. Carrie and I got married, you know, 23 and yeah. a half years. You're just like, yeah. oh, this does make sense. But oh, that's that your passage sense. of time thing where you go, yeah, I'm not old enough. Like – I, I know. think I just started all of this, I and I'm, I'm sure it's just a weird. It's it, the weird aspect of time being constrained by time, and yeah. time marching on. I think your yeah. metaphor is pretty good there. It's like water going through your fingers; you just can't stop it. You just can't, you can't do anything about it. You just can't stop it, and so learning to like make sense of it, and learning to be in the present moment and celebrate, and then just like adjust to every new season and what God's doing in that. Ooh, right. man! I have a feeling you and I are going to keep talking about this as the months go on. Seriously. Hey, well. Coming up next, we're going to talk about when it hurts to give. You're listening to The Common Good on AIM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Brian, she's been on the show before, and I think she's going to be on again in a few weeks, Nona Jones. She's Mm. uh, works, well, she used to run the Faith Initiative at Facebook or Meta. Now she works for YouVersion. Um, She's one of those just like... I don't see some of these women are just powerhouse women. Like she's like a pastor and a singer and leads a success Academy for leaders and runs wow. you version. You know what I mean? She's like, gotta be so annoyed though, by the singer, Nora Jones. Yes. Like she it, has to be, it has to drive yeah. her up a wall. Do you know her? I think I've told you this. Her social media handle is Nora, not no- Nona, not Nora. It's no, literally her social that. media handle. Nona, not Nora. That's really funny. No, it's gotta be so annoying. But- yeah. Doesn't that have uh, to be so annoying? But yeah. yeah, she's like, I don't know how she does it. And then she's also one of those ladies who's like, here's my here's my 
second workout of the day and she's like yourself <laughs> on her treadmill i'm like who are you who are you i need some of that energy but anyway she writes on a blog over at her website nonajones.com and really she's also i mean this is what's interesting she's also very vulnerable and she talks a lot about her childhood pain uh she was pretty like shunned by her mom okay um and she was an only child, so she didn't have a lot of support. She writes about that uh, under this topic, when it hurts to give. So let me just share some of the story, and then you and I can talk about it. Basically, she says that years ago, she was really bitter. Uh, you would not have known it from looking at her. On the outside, she was like bubbly and good. But on the inside, lots of hostility and resentment was growing up. And Basically, because she was shunned by her mom, she developed this deep need for acceptance and affirmation by others. Okay. And so she says a lot of like her elementary school year, she's the class clown to try to get attention, right? Sure. But she was sent to the uh, elementary school or to the principal's office quite a bit. And then she moved into like, okay, maybe it's not the class clown. Maybe if I quote, be good or be the teacher's pet, then I'll get mm. acceptance. So she did that for a while. Then she tried to get acceptance through friendships and relationships that were yeah. always one-sided. She was always rearranging her schedule to be there for other people, but they weren't necessarily doing that for her. Gotcha. And soon all of this kind of grew into bitterness and resentment, right? She says, I began to develop a generally negative posture toward people, expecting them to use me and discard me. So what did I do? I started to discard people first. I didn't give them a chance to walk away. I walked away first. Some people would say my cutoff game was strong. She talks about how this was a defense mechanism, but she also knows now that the walls we build to keep people out become the walls that keep us trapped in. And this is interesting. She says, this is why I believe God warns us not to allow hurts to change us and instead allow our hurts to soften our hearts towards other people. I can read a little bit more in a minute, but mm. all of that, how does that connect with you? It is the, the, the concept of um, being accepted and like mm -hmm. kind of being a chameleon and changing what you do in order to be accepted. Yeah. Like I think that's really interesting that she was like, I was the class clown to be accepted. And then I go, well, that's not working. So mm -hmm. I'm going to be the rebel yeah. to be accepted. This is when we grow up, these are the many, many, many school talks we have about peer pressure. Right? <laughs> why totally. Do we, why do we succumb to peer pressure? It's to be accepted. Like, let yeah. me figure out how people will affirm me and love me. Um, yes, yes. It, it's, but the hard part is this doesn't change when you're little. In fact, it gets worse when you're older. It and you're, does. It does, doesn't it? And it's not like you hit your 30s and you're like, oh, I'm perfectly content. I got it now. No, right. I think we, we spend our entire lives trying to be accepted and mm -hmm. trying to be val validated and trying to be applauded. Yeah. Um, and I, it's funny, the people who are like, I don't need people's validation. Like, that's almost what validates them is not. Yeah, totally. It's like that and challenge, so, like that becomes yeah. their identity. Yeah. And so I think this becomes a lifelong kind of deal. Like, where am I going to find my acceptance, my mm -hmm. identity, my validation? Mm -hmm. And we know some very biblical answers uh, 
that we should go over, but even those are really hard to lean into. Yeah, they're hard to lean into. And I, I do think you're right, Brian. Like it is strange to me how I feel like as I've gotten older, this has not gotten easier. Yeah. And I think I'm maybe more aware of the fact that I'm doing it when I'm doing it than I was when I was younger. So the awareness has changed, but it's like kind of that in the moment, um, it is difficult not to kind of follow some of the same habits of people pleasing or, or changing, like you said, chame- being a chameleon in order yeah. to like fit in the right place. And do you feel like this is universally a human experience? Do you feel like some personalities are more prone to this than others? She talked about because of her, you know, childhood, it was some of that. Like, I wonder if this is born only from wounds from your childhood or, Gosh, or a combination you- of personality, or if it's everybody. I I I would say to everybody, but not everybody equally. Mm, like, yeah, yeah. You, I've met some people who are like everything's about, you know, like other people validating them. Like, yeah. But I don't. Maybe we're just laying our own cards on the table about our own souls. I don't think it's possible to go through life and go. I genuinely don't care what people think about me. I don't me. think so either. I yeah. genuinely don't find any validation from what people think. I don't yeah. think that that's actually possible. And so I think it's a gradation. Like, you know, your husband might care less mm-hmm. about what other people are saying or thinking about you than you do. Yeah, totally. Or saying about him than you care. Yeah. People do. But I don't know that it's a zero sum game where he's yeah. you're either a zero or a hundred. Like right, right. I think everybody searches for identity and affirmation That's and it. all of that stuff. Which I think leads us really, you know, beautifully to the gospel truth. Let me tell you how Nona kind of wraps this up and then you and I can talk about some of this. But she says, I believe our hurt can become a tool that smooths the edges of our bitterness if we learn to steward it well. How do you do that? By committing to be for others what you wish you would be for you. Hmm. Instead of promising or wish what you wish others would be for you. Instead of promising to not let someone hurt you again, commit to not hurt others. Hmm. Commit to be a source of healing for people, to be the friend you never had, the love you never had, the employee you never had, to be better than you were treated. And she ends it by saying, overcome evil with good. Hmm. I think that's really, really interesting. I but I still think like the root of the way we do that is something that you kind of pointed to earlier it's that we have to our identity has to be in jesus like yeah it has to be that we have to have that unshakable understanding that we are accepted approved loved by god in jesus christ yeah. or else yeah. i think we will run around trying to get our cups filled from anybody and everybody we yeah. can right maybe certain people more than others but and the um, difficult question is then how? Yeah. Like, because we know the verses and I believe them wholeheartedly and I believe that we can grow in this. I guess the hard part is how do we grow in leading into that? In Christ, I'm his child. I'm yeah. not going to lose that. In, uh, I've He knit me together in my mother's womb. Like I am good enough uh, as I am. Yeah. And I know that's probably an unfair question for the n- a minute or two, but right. I guess the, the the difficulty of life, really, it's a lifelong journey is – how do I actually lean into that and yeah. live actually in light of that as opposed to saying it and then leaving and going, it's like the old, like I say this, I preach this and right, then I come right. down and I'm like, tell me how good my sermon was. Yeah. Like, oh, that's oh, the that's hard a, part right there. Mm-hmm. It's the hard part right there. I, I don't know. I, I think you're exactly right when you say it's, this is kind of a lifelong journey. I think of transformation that the Lord does in us, 
but it's a, I think it's a, it's a hard thing to internalize without a lot of like rehearsing and practice and the Holy spirit and community. Right. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's a, it's definitely something for us to kind of keep thinking about and, and praying that the Lord helps us be maybe not all the way free, but be more free than we were a few years ago or whatever. Yeah. Like we yeah. increase in the freedom. Well, coming up next, we're going to end the show with some good news for you. You're listening to the common good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. It's the end of the show. I am headed to Portillo's. I told you, oh, right? It's official. Yes. It's Portillo's headed there tonight to celebrate my son's 12th birthday. We hope whatever you're doing, you have a wonderful evening ahead of you. What does Aubrey get at Portillo's? Um, oh, I'm I'm very I well, it kind of depends on my mood, but I definitely get yeah. onion rings. And then I probably get like a Caesar salad or a chopped salad. Um, oh, I gosh. I How do you get a Portillo's I, and get I a know. salad? I, I, that's why I sort Come of like hedged, I hedged a little because I didn't want to tell you. But I, I do. I if you're going to get a salad tonight, get an Italian beef on the side and cut up the Italian beef and put it in the salad <laughs> if that'll make you feel better. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll get a hot dog because their hot dogs are so delicious. So good. Um, what do you get at Portillo's? I get an Italian beef usually and love okay. it with fries and a drink. Yeah. Uh, if sometimes that's really heavy. So if I don't want yeah. that heaviness, I will get a hot dog. Yeah. Uh, so and, you don't, I mean, I feel like that's why I don't get a hot dog because of the heaviness. You're like, that'll nope. be my light option. <laughs> yes. Here, get an Italian beef tonight and tell me tomorrow how you feel. <laughs> but it's one, there's not many things that taste better than the old Portillo's Italian beef. Like that is. My dad's a big fan of their uh is it Pol are they Polish sausage uh -huh. or something? Uh -huh. Yeah, my, my dad comes into town and that's like the first thing he wants. A lot they of people get the get the combo. It's literally an Italian beef with a Polish sausage. No, in it's it. not. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. Look on the not. menu tonight. Yeah, okay, you'll see it. Will, Look on the menu tonight. Uh and I'm sure we'll get chocolate cake because we're going for a birthday. So you Good. gotta get you gotta get some cake. But Our at least you're having a salad with your chocolate <laughs> cake. <laughs> Whatever makes you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to end the show by sharing some good news stories with you. This is from theweek.com where they aggregate good news stories of the previous week. This one's cute. West Virginia high schoolers band together to keep the music going. The Pocahontas County High School Band has just 10 members, but a whole lot of heart. The West Virginia school is in a rural area, and when the band director left and the principal couldn't find a replacement, students were given two options. Sign up for another class during fifth period or teach themselves. Drummer <laughs> Haley Fitzgerald told the Washington Post she was motivated to keep the band going because, quote, we played together for years. We're like a family. Ten kids chose to stay with the band with some even picking up new instruments so there weren't so many drummers, and Fitzgerald was named director. At the first football game of the year, fans in the stands held up signs for the band, and alumni came out for homecoming to join in a performance. To see so many people supporting and cheering us on, that's a huge motivator, motivator the, clarin the clarinetist said. That's when you know all the hard work is worth it. This is a little bit of a sad story. There's so many aspects to the story. First, <laughs> that it starts at its Pocahontas County Schools or whatever. But like, hey, this is a Disney movie. But Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Hey, guys, 
the band director left and uh, no one's going to replace him. You guys do whatever you want is a little bit of a. And then they're yeah. like, we'll teach ourselves. Okay. All right. How? I just want, those of you who find this inspirational, think about if you got a letter from your school going, hey, we don't have a history teacher. So the Take kids are just going to teach themselves. Teach themselves. <laughs> it's awesome. It's really sad. Wow. But good uh, job. But it is a students. Disney movie where then they they like are the best band in the state. Type yes. of deal, you know. Oh man, I want to. I want to. And then oh, and then I got the ending. The director comes back and he like regrets leaving, and they're like, "We don't need you anymore. We're our no, own leaders." It's not that you missed it. Ooh, you haven't oh, seen I enough did? Disney movies. The, oh, oh. the the old director has gone to the better school two towns over oh. and, is start, and is working with their band because yeah. they're bigger, more money, more players. Oh, you're right. And at you're the right. state competition, they defeat him. Yeah, that's, no, that's good. Movie. And and like their hearts change along the way. Yes, and love is found between two, a clarinetist and a drummer. <laughs> I, I I know we have more stories to share, but I saw somebody sent me this TikTok the other day where it was like, if Disney made movies about college, so it was like taking the same like Disney Channel original movie, but putting yep. it in a college setting. And like there was one scene where like there was a girl alone in the cafeteria and this guy's like... <gasps> She's alone in the cafeteria. She must be a loser. She needs <laughs> friends. And she looks up. She's like, I'm just studying. <laughs> and the whole thing is that. Like, it's like all that's of funny. these. No, that's, that's not what that's not what's happening. <laughs> that's really funny. funny. All right, next one. Students designed the world's first off-road solar-powered SUV. Oh. A team of 22 students at Eindhoven University of Technology in the Netherlands have developed the Stella Terra, billed as, quote, the world's first off-road solar-powered vehicle. The SUV's sloped roof is outfitted with solar panels that charge the electric battery, which is smaller than traditional electrical vehicle batteries. In early October, the students tested the vehicle in Morocco mm. wow. due to its huge variety of landscapes and different surfaces in quite a short distance or the fact that they got to go to Morocco. Yeah, really. They drove 620 miles from Tinger to the Sahara Desert and wow. found the SUV was more efficient than expected. <laughs> Here's the great caveat. When it's sunny, yeah. the battery has a range of 411 miles on roads and 342 off. The goal is to create a vehicle that can get deliveries and aid to areas where roads are less accessible. I feel wow. like that's a big caveat, though. Yeah, when it's sunny, especially when around sunny. here. Like, that definitely yeah. doesn't work in the Chicagoland area, right? When it's sunny, it could yeah. go for a long time. Yeah, but when it's not, you're stuck in the desert. You're yeah, stuck you're in the stuck Sahara in the Desert. desert. <laughs> <laughs> All right, new AI tool could be a game changer for surgeons. Surgeons may soon have a new tool that could help them decide how aggressively to operate on patients with brain tumors. It can be difficult to determine how much healthy tissue should be removed around a tumor, and if not enough is extracted, cancerous cells could be left behind. In a study published last week in the journal Nature, researchers from the Netherlands wrote that they used artificial intelligence to develop a method called Sturgeon, which involves a computer scanning segments of the tumor's DNA and alighting on certain chemical modifications that can yield a detailed diagnosis of the type and even subtype of the brain tumor. The New York Times explained, because this uses a faster genetic sequencing technique, 
doctors could learn more about tumors while at the operating table, helping guide their surgical decisions. Okay. A lot of that didn't make sense to me, but I got the bottom line. It can help them know like kind of what to do and what not to do. So that feels like good news. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, innovative prosthesis, prosthesis, yes, could help amputees dealing with phantom oh. limb pain. A first-of-its-kind bionic uh, prosthesis has proved, quote, life-changing for a Swedish engineer named Karen. 20 years ago, Karen <laughs> lost her arm below the elbow in a farm equipment accident. She did not use a prosthesis until now when she was fitted with an arm using, and then there's a big word, osseointegration, a process where bone tissue and titanium come together, creating a strong mechanical bond and enabling the connection with the nervous system. Wow. Through electrodes in the nerves and the muscles. This prosthetic was designed by researchers, and Karen said now that it's attached to her, she no longer has phantom limb pain. No way. Wow, that's really crazy. That's the potential, a promising testament to the potential life-saving capabilities of technology. Unbelievable. Wow, that'll change a lot of lives. All right, this is cute. I'll share the final story. Uh, Chicago Marathon runner rescues a kitten during the race. This is in our neck of the woods. Sarah Bohan was on mile 21 of the Chicago Marathon when she saw out of the corner of her eye a kitten under a pile of leaves. She was on track to setting a personal record, but she was also running on Team Paws Chicago to benefit (laughs) animal welfare. And so she knew she couldn't leave the cat behind. She has multiple people along the course if they'd take him. After a mile, she met the kitten's match, Andrea Maldonado. Her family has two cats and a dog already, but she welcomed the new addition. So this lady's like running with the cat, just asking people if they want the cat. Who wants That's, a cat? Who wants a cat? <laughs> who wants a cat? You have a cat. A cat for you. Well, hopefully <laughs> that put a smile on your face. Good old Chicago citizen saving, saving a little cats. kitten, saving cats. Hey, we'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.